This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 429, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Pick of the Week podcast. It's episode 429. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and joining me is Paul Montgomery. Yes. And joining us in place of the now ever-absent Josh Flanagan is James Viscardi. Hello. James is uh, late of Marvel. He was the Marvel PR poobah, and now he uh, is off hosting his own show, Let's Talk Comics. Poobah. I like that one. It's a great uh, interview show if you if you like those long-form comic interview shows. So thank you, James, for stepping in. You may be the new permanent guest host. We don't know if Josh is coming back. Uh, <laughs> when we asked him, he was very evasive. Yeah, so. you don't know what you've signed up for. It's basically an indefinite kind of thing. We don't know. Well, Josh, guys, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> if you're out there listening, uh, please, please call us. <laughs> Return our emails. So in the meantime, we are a fanboy. We like comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best book they read. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, as long as other books of the week, other topics of interest, and all kinds of fun stuff. And a reminder, and a warning, this is a review show, so uh, if you haven't read your books, pause the show and come back. Everything will be much happier, much shinier, much better world if you don't get spoiled by our show. I'm looking over at her desk. Carol in HR is, is holding up her whiteboard saying she's not going to co-host no matter what. Josh, come back. So, well, that's good. So, Josh, come home. Carol's a killjoy. She is. Else. Paul, you had the pick, and your pick slid in right under the wire, like Indiana Jones escaping uh, the, that door that comes down. You grab your yeah, hat. Yeah, this was uh, this was a nice bit of happenstance because I, you know, I was I was reading some stuff on Wednesday, but then we were also cramming for the uh, special edition podcast that's just under this in the feed. We'll talk about that in a bit. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to try and read all these. I'm gonna I'm gonna save some for tomorrow morning. And I wake up Thursday morning. Hop onto Facebook, and there's a new issue with a private eye from the panel syndicate. Which is like, oh, this is a contender. You know, panel syndicate always a contender. So picked up the private eye number six. Pay what you want, pay what you will, whatever seems fair. It's a good time to get caught up on the private eye because they also released a bundle. Like you can just get one file with one through five in it, plus the making of. And it's got all this ancillary stuff in it. So that's a great little package if you've, you know, been on the fence up till now. But issue six continues a really cool traditional, you know, PI caper story in a really increasingly interesting world. And I just love the world building in this in this book, in this story. You have this this PI character who is operating in the future post bursting of the cloud. Uh, there's well, yeah, we should, yeah, let's, let's tell it, because there was a bit of, uh, we'll say, delay in between Yeah, issues. it was a little bit of a hiatus between. So maybe recap for the folks what it is the premise of this book. So, we, so yeah, so we've got this this private investigator guy who wears this sort of camouflage hoodie, and he's and he has his clients, and it's, you know, and it's it's a very traditional detective story. It's like the Maltese Falcon, that kind of situation, and he actually has, you know, posters of that kind of stuff in in his office, but it's it's set decades and decades into the future and decades previous to this the cloud the uh, the internet burst and, and and everyone's privacy was disrupted 
Um, so everyone's personal information was all out there. Any any activity that you'd ever engaged in online, photos, was internet all public searches, domain. Yeah. everything, and it ruined everyone's lives. As you know, exactly that's what would happen if it did. And uh, so you're in a world now where privacy is at a premium. It's federally protected. There's no internet. Everybody wears these weird, creepy masks to hide their identity. No one is interested in celebrity anymore. They don't even understand the concept of being of, of our celebrity obsession that we know now. In the previous issue, his his grandfather, who was basically our contemporary, just an old man at that point, was playing video games, and he's so delusional because he's hopped up on you all know, the Adderall. Legalized, yeah, <laughs> and he was trying to log online to play multiplayer, and he's like, "Gramps, you can't do that. There's no internet anymore." But as we're learning more and more in, in this issue, Daguerre, our villain, very creepy guy, is trying to restart the internet. And he's got this whole rocket ship and he's working this whole clandestine thing. He's going to launch a satellite. He's going to launch space. a satellite up into outer space. And they have a very interesting debate in this issue with him and, and his engineer, who is solely interested in this because he gets to launch a satellite into space. And he's like... You know, I'll do this thing for you, but I'm just doing this for the whole love of space flight and exploration, because as far as I'm concerned, when they created, you know, when they developed the Internet, that sort of destroyed any interest in exploring it cyberspace destroyed. Debate. Yeah, yeah. It, it yes. was a, the death of innovation, according, according to the story. And as the story goes, once the Internet died, that's when technology exploded with uh, their, you know, their fancy magnetic cars and such like that. But so I know what Paul thinks, and I know what I think. Jim, what do you think of this series overall? I really love how real this series feels. Oh, I'm sorry. We should also mention this is Brian K. Vaughn, Marcos Martin. Yeah. Oh God, uh, yeah. Two of two of the top. And Munzo Vicente is doing the colors. Yeah. Go ahead. I love how real this feels. Like even though it's set so far into the future, it really does sort of bring to light. You know everything that you've been trying to hide in an incognito window on Chrome. Um, <laughs> what? And... <laughs> I don't know what that, is, what that means at all. <laughs> or it's just like, you know, how self-involved and, and sort of self-obsessed that you know we've become. It makes you uncomfortable. It does. Or it's just like like this is something that everyone tells you about, that eventually like you know, yeah, like privacy is always like a big thing. It's like. Uh, you know, when Facebook flips a switch, everyone freaks out. Or, right. um, and it's one of those things where everyone's like, "Well, that well, just if you don't like it, then stay off it." And then ha this is what happens when when we don't. Uh, and so the characters just just feel very real. And that's one of the things that I think Brian K. Vaughn does very well. Like in just in anything he's done, where you feel like you can relate to these people, and you also feel like you know these people, right. and that you know, mixed with the whole far flung future. Like this, I can't get enough of this. And I, I think I pay way too, I pay, I probably pay more for this than I do, you know, for any other regular comic and knowing that I could not pay anything at all just makes it that much sweeter, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you you go and you, you, you know, the windows there and you can type in any, and it says any amount from $0. And I, I don't mind waiting for it. Yeah, I don't either. And actually, what's interesting, I mean, I don't get angry. I know how the economy works. I mean, you know, they've got jobs they got to work on to pay their mortgages. But in one thing that the, the delay did do was I actually went back and read all six in a row mm -hmm. because it has been a long time. And uh, I'd certainly forgotten a lot of the details. And I didn't want to miss those because this is a murder mystery and details are very important. 
So I sat down today and I read one through six in a row. And I, oh god, it reads so good. It's one. Thing, and even rereading it, it it didn't feel like a chore. Like you know, how sometimes where if you're either picking up on a series right. again that's been delayed, like sometimes it feels like a chore to catch up. No, you pick and, it's like Watchmen. I don't want. And I, that's a crazy comparison. I know you don't, but it's like <laughs> when you read Watchmen, there's always new details. This I didn't. There were things I didn't notice the first time around. And I was like, oh right. That's happening, and I, I didn't really get the guns. I think until this issue, yeah, shot, like the paint paint pellets or whatever it was. It just, yeah, it's just there's as Paul said in the beginning, the world building is so great. There's so much going on, even in the background. I spent a lot more time looking at the backgrounds mm-hmm. this time, all the little pop cultural references and things. And and now that I live in L.A., three years now, I I pick up a lot, and a lot more of this is funny to me. So clearly. speaking speaking of backgrounds, there's a really fun Easter egg in this one. Uh, right from the first scene when we got the fourth estate, which is one of the coolest concepts in the book, that there's this hybrid police force and the press. It's all one unit. And they have these paintball guns, as you said, and there's a there's a switch so you can turn it into live rounds. And there's a, gr- a really great, you know, sequence when, you know, we've seen him use the paintball gun before, but now it's like, what what if the guy's shooting you with live rounds? What do you do then? And so there is a switch. So that's pretty cool. And that elevator scene was really great. But this, the, the Easter egg I'm talking about in, Schwartz, in Schwarzenegger Medical, <laughs> yeah. this hospital, mm-hmm. the hospital room that the Fourth Estate visits is room 355. So Agent 355 from Black uh, Lives Man. So pretty, pretty fun little uh, Easter egg in I there. So I thought that was kind of fun. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I love the attention to detail in here. And I love just the, this this world feels so, so lived in and so well realized. And I love that this just feels like one story going on in this world. Yeah. Um, and I it's like, not the I, only you, thing interesting happening. You nail it with the world, and I think Jim, you nail it with the characters. I don't, I don't know if anybody does character work better than Brian K. Vaughan. There's people that do it as well, but these characters feel so well rounded and relatable so quickly, and it's, it's just you like hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. And they're all, they're all very gray. There's no like, you know, big, you know, the main character is not necessarily a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's just a guy with with his own faults and everything. But I just love everything about this book. And I forget, you know, you forget about it. It, it goes away for mm-hmm. four months and, and then it comes out again. You're like, oh, right, that book that's awesome that I love is back. It's great. In case anyone was wondering, real dolls still exist in the future. <laughs> 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 uh, it was also heartened to see in the in the letter column that uh, he mentions that uh, apparently other creators have expressed interest in doing something on Panel Syndicate. So hopefully, uh, you know, this is something that's going to grow. Um, this, but This is the 10 issue book, right? I forgot. It's 10 issues. Yeah. yeah. But I'd love to see more from them, and, and I love this format. I, uh, we didn't mention the, the whole widescreen aspect of it. Right. It's you take a regular comic page and flip it on its side, and that's the aspect ratio. That I love using. that. And it's great. It's, it's, it's great on an iPad. It's, yes. It's, and it's also, for me, I don't have a tablet, and God, I don't know why, but I have my, you know, my 13-inch you know, MacBook. It's perfect for that screen, and I, and I love the, you know, just grab a PDF and... You know, and if if I happen to you know lose the PDF that I have, I can always go back and get another one for whatever price uh, on PanelSyndicate.com. So this is a great story. I'm very excited to see where it goes. I was very excited to see the Mike Allred art, Silver Surfer number one, the latest all new Marvel Now point whatever. I don't know what the thing is, but uh, regardless, really just loved looking at Silver Surfer number one. This is a this is a really cool looking book. And what, what also is interesting about it is I knew Dan Slott's a big Doctor Who fan, and this feels like a Doctor Who story in, in the sense that Silver Surfer has a companion now, basically. And I like this conceit that he's, 
he's being introduced we're, we're being introduced to sort of the new the new temperament for the silver surfer as we've seen him being very angsty very stoic in some stories and here we get to see a little bit more not necessarily lighthearted, but you clearly never read the giffen and Demetrius stoner silver surfer stories <laughs> <laughs> no i i am familiar with those hey, <laughs> but then we also get to meet uh this this girl who's you know she's a twin and you know she lives at the, this bed and breakfast which she operates with her dad and her sister um loves traveling and she just wants anything to get out of there and this little girl we meet her as a little girl first she wants nothing but to stay there forever and watch the stars and hang out with her dad and and meet all these well there's a little bit of do- doubt in her voice there there, there is when she gets as she gets older um right. when, when it really sort of sets in and she's got all these postcards from her sister from her twin sister and everything but she is gradually you know drawn into this crazy plot with these aliens and and silver surfer and, and i love the the cliffhanger at the end that this is apparently going to be a very important person to the Silver Surfer. Well, the most important person. The most important, and the silver and the aliens who have teeth on their necks, which is really creepy. They use that as leverage, and he's like, "I have no idea who this person is." Which <laughs> is a great <laughs> last line, and uh, and the Mike Allred art. I think it's it's perfect for this particular story, and it seems like such a no brainer, Mike Allred and Silver Surfer, because you get to do all those funky you know, alien worlds and stuff. And it's, it's trippy. And yeah. It should be. I like the fight in space in that no one is on the same plane, which you don't see very often. Yeah. You know, everyone in the, in that one, I'm looking at the one panel and I couldn't give you a page number, but everyone is facing at a different angle because it's space and there's no X, Y axis. And so, you know, so surface coming upside down. One guy's, you know, he's straight up. The other guy's at an angle and it's the little touches like that that are nice. And um, I don't know entirely Laura Allred's process for this, but the finished product, it almost looks like colored pencil in some places when you really yeah. zero in on it. I, I wish I could articulate it better, but it's it's a it's a really interesting look. And I love that two-page spread of that weird planet that they end up on. And it's sort of like it doesn't look like a Kirby thing or it it, it looks like it looks, looks like more, a pain in the ass to draw. Yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like Dr. Seuss meets Asher or something. It's a, it's a really intricate uh, nonsensical kind of planet with all these, you know, protrusions coming out of buildings and skyscrapers and stuff and it's and it's really colorful. And he he does do a, a variation on like a Kirby crackle kind of thing with the power cosmic, but right. he totally makes it its own. It doesn't feel like like so many times people just ape what Kirby was doing. It, it almost feels as if he invented it for himself. Yeah. It's a little bit more subtle than what, you know, you would see in a, in an all out kind of Kirby cosmic book, but I like this. Um, Jim, are you a silver surfer guy? Well, it's this thing. I, I wasn't. And uh, until I actually was sort of talking to Dan a bit about it, this feels very much like uh, a Dan Slot book. You're either going to love it or hate it. I like the sense of adventure that the book sort of sets up, and I'm very ready for that. But part of me still wishes that, and it could just be something that's coming up, but uh, I really want to see Silver Surfer like let loose and be sort of the powerful badass that at least I sort of like That's this, I have this picture yeah. of him in my head. Um, this is more, it's, it's almost, it's, it's, it's whimsical. And, and yeah, I'd liken it to, to like, especially modern doctor who it, it reminds me a lot of like the Matt Smith era stuff. And I mean, his introduction is those little girls seeing him in the distance 12 years ago, thinking that he's a shooting star 
and they make a wish on this on this falling star and then you zoom in and it's the silver surfer preparing the way for galactus and it's not so nice silver surfer so i I like the art to it well you could also tell that this is very much done in the sort of hybrid marvel style way that dan writes and i think that you saw it what worked really well about the issues of FF that Allred did with Fraction was these two feel like collaborators and I even think they're credited as like storytellers yes, um, yeah. in the credits at the back. And I, and I think that that also sort of lends something to the book that just sort of makes it feel together. Allred gets to do his thing and, and Slot gets to do his thing and not one person is overpowering the other, which is really nice. I liked it. I'm not a huge slot fan, but I did like I do like some of the stuff he does. I did I did enjoy this. I don't have my feet fully in the story yet, but for me, my money it's worth it at least just for the all red Silver Surfer art, which it seems like a character he was made to draw. Which is funny because on the surface, not a lot to him, but when you look at him, there really there's more there than just a guy who's silver. What kind of eyeliner does Silver Surfer use? It's a good one. It doesn't run <laughs> very heavy lines in this book. Yeah, it still holds up to the harshness of space. So let's keep talking about Dan Slott's Superior Spider-Man 30. I guess uh, from what I see, this was a big issue. This is, yeah, this is the end of, of an era. And oh, is it over now? Peter is back? So Peter, Peter is back, basically, and, and Otto, not so much. Yeah. Otto, is Otto dead? It's not clear yet, but it's essentially Otto realizes that he is not the superior Spider-Man. He actually and says, that. he's like, you are the superior Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of the thing I was, I was, I was worried that they were going to do in truth. Like you are the true detective, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> we really did break bad. No, but it's, uh, but it's actually a very touching scene. I knew this was coming and I was still surprised with how sort of good I felt, I guess at the end, this, I, I've been very hit or miss on Superior Spidey. I think I feel like I've liked every other arc, and this arc has been the, the arc one? that I like. The good one, yeah. <laughs> I've always um, I've always liked it in in concept, and uh, I think actually we really liked that that sort of crossover thing that was like we blink and you'll almost miss it. The, the all new X Men story. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a it's a neat idea that no one knows you know who he is and that that's not Peter Parker under there. That's not the the Spider Man that they're used to. It's this cranky old dude who you know hijacked his body, <laughs> and that's that's a funny idea. And then uh, the execution is, has has been fun in, in in certain places and you know. But I think whether you've loved or hated, you know, the idea. I think he delivered on what he wanted to do in a. A believable way like like reading this issue i i sort of buy the the catharsis i think he earned that moment where he you know passes passes along the you know the mantle back to peter and i think it's good so what, hap- be what happens rough... how does how does it come to a head how does auto fade away what is like what is the mechanism that brings peter back so goblin has been pretty much outsmarting auto sort of at, at every turn and using typical vulnerabilities that he would use for Peter, you know, essentially going after family and friends and Otto just essentially can't do it. And he wants to, his, he, he needs someone to save his girlfriend. And so Peter Parker essentially breaks out uh, or you realize that Peter Parker has been hiding in the mindscape and he's been sort of living through all of Otto's memories. And the minute that 
Otto essentially says, I, I can't I can't do it anymore. Peter's consciousness essentially comes back and they talk to each other and he says, all right, let's go. I've got the machine. And like it's and there's a great moment where they sort of swing into uh, Parker Industries and mm-hmm. Peter's like, Parker, what? Like, what? <laughs> And, and I was like, no time to explain. And so they essentially just sort of sit back into the machine and all of Otto's memories essentially get erased. And uh, it's, you know, it all switches back and reverts to Peter. And you're left to assume that Otto's gone. But, you, you know, but you could have said the same thing about Peter being totally erased. Sure. That's so, exactly. so there, so there is a precedent, and there is an out if they ever want. Well, one to. thing I've always liked about Dan, and this goes way, way back to the old iFanboy video show. He was one of our early interviews, and I always liked that he said, "You know, it's comics. I can press the cosmic wacky button <laughs> and and change everything back to normal, and that's just the way comics are." And I always liked that because that's what comics are. And there was a little bit of that in Silver Surfer. In fact, um, there was kind of that planet that didn't, you know, make sense. They're like, "Don't worry mm-hmm. about it." And that's the same way with this, you know. You bring back Peter. You, Otto can show up eventually. He will show up eventually again. And and uh, there it has so everyone who screamed and cried about Peter being gone can now start reading Amazing Spider-Man. We'll say though, Giuseppe Camicoli is the unsung hero of this book. I don't mm. know, like out of nowhere, I feel like his art style. I don't know if it's being paired with Inker John Dell, but this arc has looked fantastic. It has looked really good. Yeah. So now, am I the only one that read this last arc on the Adventures of Spider-Man Digital? I mean, I, Adventures of Superman Digital. <laughs> Adventures series. of Superman. I I did as well. So this is this is number forty-eight. Just came out. Yeah, um, Jim, have you read these at all? Any of these? Uh, I only, I only, I haven't been reading them. I've been reading them sort of on and off, depending on who the creative team has been. Uh, I've been paying attention to it though. But uh, I read this one because uh, actually, uh, my. The next Let's Talk Comics episode is actually with Joe Keating. Uh, oh, perfect. So, yeah. So, so they're on a roll because the last arc was yes. great. That was with the, mm-hmm. that was the uh, Mars and Doc Shaner one, right? That was mm-hmm. the And this is Joe Keating and his host of artists telling a really, really sort of meta story about Superman. And, and I thought reading this, Paul, that you would particularly love it oh, for, God, many, this for, is, for many reasons. This guy gets it. <laughs> but the whole, the whole theme of this basically is Superman never gives up and always finds a way, which you sometimes the way is to destroy a metropolis, but uh, <laughs> this was the last days of Earth and the old man come on detailing the story of Superman and why it's important to learn. It, it, I'll admit it got a little weird at the end. I'm not sure I grasped exactly what what was going on in that Superman sort of ended. He will always time. be there. So he ended time and start he started the new Big Bang, but. I really liked, like Asimov idea. I thought that was that was pretty cool. I liked it. I liked it. I just I didn't necessarily get it all, but I was also okay. reading it at work. So but I liked all I liked almost everything else. I did not uh, I'm saying it wrong. I didn't dislike it, but I loved the concept and the theme of it. I loved that the first failure sort of was the rocket and he found the rocket again, which went into a parallel sort of pocket universe and he saved the rocket by starting a new new universe and I like that bit of it. The art was fantastic. This particular issue looked really great. It had art by uh, Jason Alexander, Jason Sean Alexander. Not so you think it was George Costanza. Jason, <laughs> Jason Sean Alexander doing the main part and Tula Lotte doing the intro page. And it just this was a great, great little arc. Love the lines in this. I love that sort of ethereal glow towards the end. It, it does feel very, sort of, this is going to sound bad. It sounds like that, that movie AI. Like, it's a very kind of spooky, kind of enigmatic ending. Yes. But uh, the, I think the best way to sum it up for me is I, I'm so jealous of this idea, just like Superman and Commandy together. I was like, <laughs> if I ever wanted to write a Superman story. That's like, that's like your two 
things right there. I, in terms of DC, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Superman and, and Commander are, 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 you know, are big and and putting them together like this, such a perfect idea. I, I love everything about this. Gonna gush about it. I, I and he really did get. Great. I mean, it's it. He got the tone of Superman down pat. The kidding. heart is in there. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it felt like it felt like a feel good Superman story, which. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the end I of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- but I love that at every turn because the, the story is being told to was it Prince of Earth, Prince of North America, or King of North America, and uh, he was like, "I don't get it. You're telling me a story about Superman failing," and he's like, "No, you don't." Come on, he's like, "No." You know, the, the whole point is he doesn't fail; he finds a way, and that's you know, it was beaten home, but it, in a good way. You know, these constant sort of vignettes about Superman always finding a way at the end to, to save the day, even if it means ending the universe and starting a new one. He finds a way, and I thought that was just I thought it was just wonderful. These digital stories are pretty good. DC's part. Wait, so is that it? Is it? Is it? It's done. That's it. Three parts. That that's that's oh, story the line, story. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Yeah, no, the world is done, James. We started <laughs> it over, and now we get a new one. But yeah, um, so I definitely recommend you know go go out and either get these digitally or when they come out in print for sure get the the uh, Ron Mars Doc Shaner well, if, one and this if one. This one and the last one are in one print edition. Oh man, it's a brand issue. <laughs> that so. would be great. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Again. A lot of number ones this week. So, Trad Moore. Hot damn. Hot damn. Uh, this guy's good. So, this is a, a new Ghost Rider character, and he can ghost ride anything. And this is, a, this is an origin story. And, and I will say, the origin itself is, is fairly straightforward. We, we, you know, we get into a sort of Fast and the Furious, you know, car race, and the stakes are slightly maudlin. Like, he has a little brother who's in a wheelchair, and, like, these punk kids steal the wheelchair and you know it's just just him and the kid and he's got to raise money to get him a new chair and stuff he promised to protect him and you know that it's a it's a pretty dangerous part of town and but now i'm gonna i'm this mechanic and i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna i'm gonna drive this great souped up car and then he let and then he gets blown up and he's he's in an alleyway and he's on fire because the you know there's these these choppers you know these these black helicopters coming down on on this the street race and he's like oh shit the cops but then he gets he, he gets set on fire the car's on fire and he emerges as this new spirit of vengeance so i think the real thing to write home about in this is, is the art though if you've read the luther yeah. strode stuff uh, if you haven't go check it out this guy's gonna be a phenom it's just a matter of time before people know that name and uh this is this is a great showing for him uh in a in a mainstream book Paul, I gotta ask. So, so these these bullies essentially take a bunch of stuff out of Robbie's car, and it just looks like bags of Benadryl. Yeah. Are we just to assume that it's they just have really bad allergies? Well, and, he's probably making meth. Yeah, fair enough. There's well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we still have to find out. Like why, you know, why did these dudes set him on fire? <laughs> like, <laughs> At first, he like he's he's you know raising up his hands. He thinks you know he's going to be arrested or whatever, and then they they shoot him and they set him on fire. And it's a, so it's sort of like a it's it's kind of like the crow in a way, but uh, it's I'm slightly worried that we're going to end up with a, a wheelchair ghost rider thing, like an electric wheel. Like he's going to use that, but um, and come that on, might, that's that would kind of be awesome. <laughs> I'm only saying it would be crass because he doesn't. He he himself doesn't use a wheelchair. <laughs> I just mean right. But I'm just looking. At, I'm thinking about flaming wheels. Just yeah, the visual of it. it. I I think I think it's a smart idea that you don't ha- just have to have you know him on a chopper. Like you can have him in anything, and he can ghost ride it. 
like you could ghost ride a you know a shopping cart or a golf what cart that, what's that villain in spider-man that does that overdrive overdrive yeah, yeah. superior foes yeah so so it's 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 a little i like the design i know yeah. there are people that aren't wild about it because it's not you know the ghost rider that we've known for years and years and years but i think it's a cool redesign and it it has some you know la you know cultural elements to it and I like it. So it's, it's a new contemporary ghost ride, but I, th- I think the big thing is the art. Yeah, absolutely. That's... I think the the story took a little a little long to sort of get to, but uh, the end made me want to come back for more. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's actually a really the letters page or the intro from editor Mark Panicia is actually really good, and it's quite honest actually. Like he knows he essentially says he knows what he's going up against and how people are going to not like it, like you said, because it's not the tried and true ghost rider, but it, I mean, it's, I think it's got a ton of potential and I'm way more interested in ghost rider now than I think I've been in, in a while. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I loved like the stuff Jason Aaron did and stuff like that, but I do like this fresh new take. Tell me about real heroes. Number one from image comics. So you know how, like when you see a new Tom Cruise movie and all you can see is Tom Cruise being whoever running, not, laughing. running, right. And not essentially being the, the character that he needs to be. Right. That's how I felt about real heroes. I, I couldn't see past that this was Brian Hitch doing the ultimates again. Mm. Um, is he writing and drawing this? He's writing and drawing it. And, and it was kind of hard for me to sort of get past. And it, it, it's interesting because the, the, the story is like, it starts out essentially as a movie and like, you know, the, the heroes that are uh, portrayed are just, essentially in the Avengers movie. And then, you know, you find out that, you know, they're, the bad guys are essentially really here. And I've heard it's, this, this is galaxy quest. Is that sort of the tone of the vibe? Yeah, of it? Yes. Yes. Actually, that that's actually a perfect. Uh, so actors playing superheroes in the film are actually have to go up against real bad guys. Yes. Interesting. And yeah. do they have powers or is they just, are they just actors? I wasn't clear. It's not necessarily clear. They get like transported from LA to New York and New York's been destroyed essentially. And I don't know the, the beginning of it is very nine 11 ish E and I, I don't know if it's because I'm from New York and it's still a sensitive subject or there's just a bunch of, a bunch of barriers to entry. The Brian Hitch conundrum is weird because he was such a big deal 15 years ago. You know, he defined the look of comics for 10 years. But when I look at it now, I, I can't get into it as much as I did back then. Do you mean current stuff or looking back at No, current stuff. Okay. You know, looking back on it, I can always get into that mindset. But so My I thing, at- I missed the boat on that. I, I, I sort of missed the, the hitch boat. And I don't get it even when I, when I look at contemporary stuff. And I haven't, to be fair, I haven't explored a lot of the older stuff. I mean, I've read the Ultimates, but... It's it's not for me. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You have to be there at the time to witness. It's like the Beatles and people listen to it now and go, what's the big deal? You have to, you have to know what music was like before that. But- and, I, and I feel I'm sure that I benefit from things that have come out of it that other, you know, artists have, you know, adopted. But yeah, and I, I think I'm in the I'm in the same boat you are, Paul, where I missed the Ultimates the first time around. And I feel like because I've seen everything since then and I've seen how I guess the Brian Hitch style has essentially evolved and, you know, that widescreen style of storytelling that everyone keeps talking about. I feel like it's because I came in when everyone else was sort of doing it that now that I look back on where it started, I'm just like, I don't see it. I would say uh, if you're looking for a good example of it, you should check out the Ultimates and you can do that via ifanboy.com slash Amazon. Classy. 
Look at that segue. Mm, nice. Um, so go to ifanwood.com slash Amazon for all your purchases. You can buy anything you want there, including Ultimates Trades, which I do highly recommend. I think this is a pretty great story still. If you do that, we get a little piece of the sale, not from you, but from Amazon, one less drone, et cetera, et cetera. I'm yada yadding my own jokes at this point. Um, the, I'm going uh, to recommend a non-comics thing and not a goofy thing. Go get the, uh, get the new Veronica Mars novel. Yes, perfect. I just that's got that today. That's really, really good. Yeah. You can you can get the ebook, and if you get the ebook on Amazon, it discounts the price of the audiobook, which Kristen Bell reads herself, and she does a really good performance, and you can sync back and forth between the two. So there you go. Check out anything like that on Amazon.com. It helps us keep the show going. And in a direct way to help us is ifanboy.com slash registration for $3 a month or $30 a year. And also you can donate any amount you want, kind of like the panel syndicate model. It also helps us uh, stay in business. So we appreciate everyone who does both of those things, and uh, you are our favorite people. Was Amazing X-Men number five Jason Aaron's last X-Men book? Last X-Men now, right? book ever? X-Men. Like he said, he's done with Wolverine and the X-Men. This was his last issue of Amazing X-Men, wasn't it? I, doesn't he have one more with um, Cameron Stewart? Oh, that's right. He's got to wrap up. This, this is the conclusion yeah. of, this, of the arc. I know he's, he's not on the next arc. So that's so, uh, sad Nightcrawler. So that, no, so there is, no, no, Jim is right. There's one more. He said Cameron Stewart was doing the art, so it must be a yeah. one shot maybe. But this wraps up the this Return issue. of Nightcrawler, and uh, I liked it a lot. Two things to note: one, I did like I do like Sad Nightcrawler. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it leads into his character. He, there's a price to pay to come back to life, and the price is he had to give up his soul. So, what does it mean to a guy like Nightcrawler, who's always so so religious and the soul of the X Men somewhat? Shades did it not feel like of, Buffy to you, though? It, it, it did. I was going to say shades of of Buffy and uh, her resurrection and uh, and Rust Cole a little bit. Um, <laughs> but uh, I also noted the sort of difficulty of having Wolverine without his powers. In that, in this issue, he's stabbed through the back and then through the heart, which you'd think would kill a man. Doesn't regenerate. <laughs> but then he says, "Oh no, you wouldn't believe the medicine we have." Like, <laughs> sort of like, yeah. It took so long to get this out, maybe, that they had to put that balloon in to explain why he's not dead. I don't know, but it just felt like a lot of tap dancing that has to be done around this. this I just remember when they announced that they were going to be really serious about this Wolverine being mortal thing and losing his healing factor, and that was going to play out across all the books. And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I doubt that is going to happen. I mean, given all the appearances and all the stories that were already planned, I was like, I'm sure there's going to be some wrinkles there. And I think this was one of them. But it's fine. I thought, but it's oh. fine. It's and it's more about the, the that last scene up on the roof. Yeah, and yeah. Jason Aaron is so good at those scenes. Um, I mean, he's great at doing you know you know old King Thor versus Galactus, but then he's also so good at you know he. I mean, and recently he did that you know that great the final his final issue of Wolverine and the X Men, which is very heartfelt, and the that you know, scene you know with Wolverine and Cyclops feeling in the back of your throat. Yes. Yes. So if you are an X-Men fan, I definitely recommend checking out these issues. This, this arc was uh, five issues. Yeah, that makes sense. Ed McGinnis, great art. I this thought. is really accessible, too, and, and that's kind of yes. cool because my, my, my friend Preeti, who doesn't read, like, you know, uh, religiously, she picked up. Hey, she she heard go. that, you know, Nightcrawler is is coming back, and so let's check this out, and it's completely accessible, and that that's really cool. And they're, they're pirates. So they have a pirate battle. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Star Slammers Remastered. <laughs> Star Slammers Remastered, number one. I just wanted to point this out because you might have missed it. It's IDW, and it's remastered, rescanned from the original art from Walt Simonson. That's all you really need to know. Walt Simonson did this. He wrote it. It's He did the art, and the colors are crazy. It's Walt Simonson doing 
like a Mobius thing. It's like a, it's an all out war. And it reminded me a little bit of the seven samurai because like these three, these three warriors show up near just the end of the battle and everyone's sort of vying for their allegiance and, and it's, it's big sprawling and crazy. And I'm on board for this. It's, it's, it's Walt Simonson doing a totally eighties comic story with people with Smurf hats and you, you don't get much better than that. Now, Jim, I saw you excitedly tweeting about Deadpool this week. All right. I'm just going to list a few things here. And, and this, so uh, downfall, uh, <laughs> time traveling Hitler. If you're not familiar with Downfall, if you've seen that clip of, of a, a Hitler movie, we actually did one on iFanboy.com. We actually scripted one, and it's a, it's the meme that just would not stop, and it's Hitler being it's outraged so by something, every and everybody inserts you know their own thing for Hitler to be outraged at. And yeah, so that's that's recreated here lovingly in a, in an inventory issue, my favorite issues that uh, that Duggan and Posehn and uh, Scott Koblish have been doing. So it looks like it looks like a vintage comic book. And they've done a couple we've, different eras. And, we've got Nick Fury. We've got Tommy Guns. We have Cable. And yeah, I mean. Cable Cable. That, like not yeah. Cable <laughs> yeah, Cable. Exactly. This was f- super fun from top to bottom. I would take an entire series on the, on just this era of Deadpool because it was just so good. Yeah, I almost wish that th- this was just like the whole. I mean, I I love the series overall, and they mm-hmm. they ha- they bring in great artists. But I kind of wish that it was just all inventory issues like this. <laughs> and this was so close to being the pick of the week. What's great about about this is that I read a lot of comic books that you know that are humor books. I smile. I smirk at funny lines. I very rarely laugh out loud. <laughs> These inventory make me guffaw. And um, the down when I realized what they were doing with downfall, I was, oh, my God. As so, soon as I got to the shaking in the hand uh, when he's putting his glasses, taking his glasses off, I was like, oh, God, this is what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the thing about Deadly Class, and this is issue three, is when you strip, you strip away the overt tropes you know it's the school for assassins in, in the time period this feels like the most emotionally raw thing that recommender has written yeah mm-hmm. it feels like he's laying his soul out and he even i mean he mentioned that in the, in the little essay in the first issue that this was him working through his high school issues but it really feels like it it feels almost, like he's almost uncomfortable it feels like he's opening up an old like mead composition book that was his yeah. diary in yeah. high school and putting it on a scanner and then just going in and, and changing some of the names like that. I don't mean that in a bad <laughs> way at all. It's a great, great thing when, when as an artist you can you can be so emotionally raw and make the the audience feel that. And uh, as, as uncomfortable as it makes, it's great that he can do that. That's to to, to you know put yourself out like there like that, um, and you can tell. And it's um that's it's it's a window into you know somebody's mind and uh, you know Wes Craig's layouts God. in here. Wes Craig. Even the pencils in the back, they showed a little bit oh. in the back. Even the raw pencils are wonderful. Slow clap for that guy. <laughs> the colors in here are astonishing. The um, I love I love the grids in here. I love that there's there's flashbacks here, and it's like you're uh, the the frame. You're looking at comic book panels within panels. Yes, I like that a lot. It's that like the, cool. it's like you're uh, <laughs> the flashback is to a previous comic book, and they. Don't even take the frames out. You're just seeing a frame within a frame. I and like this. I didn't. I didn't super love the first issue, but I liked it. But now I really like. I'm digging on the story. I think it just took a while to. And now that I'm sort of familiar with the characters and the world a bit more, I really 
think it's very compelling. And it's totally not kind of what I was expecting it to be, even though there were elements of this in the first issue. Like, I thought it was going to be more of that that school. We're not even in the school in this issue. It's it's all this. Well, they're this, doing their homework, which is go murder. They're doing their someone. homework. But, like, you know, we don't even we don't even go back to, you know, it's it's just uh, it's surprising. I often had to murder a hobo for my homework. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, I grew up in New York City. I don't know how it works in your guys' towns, but, but we had to very, murder it's, hobos it's for a social very, studies. It's a very startling murder, and it's triggered by they were they originally maybe not going to kill this guy, and, and then he says, you know, you're, you're, but I sure ain't no pretty boy, and that triggers well, memories. Well, triggers a very bad memory for the main character, and he it's just this is great. I think Remender is... He doesn't often get credit for being such emotionally uh, honest writer, but he very much is. And then, and if you actually, and it's you know, if you know him personally, you can definitely see it too. But also, just you know, you can tell there's a lot of raw emotion in this book. And speaking of Remender on Kenny Avengers, eighteen point now, not uh, then now. Daniel Acuna, is that how you it's, say his name, Jim? Acuna, yeah. He's so good. And I've loved him since I first saw him doing those Wolverine books. I remember arguing with about it with Ron on the show because he didn't love him at first. But I, I love his sort of his style. It's, it's somewhat painterly, somewhat impressionistic. And uh, he made I, me love the Eternals, right? Like, he, he, <laughs> he, he can draw love anything. Eternals. Well, you know, this was great. This was a jump into the future in which we've seen everything has gone horribly wrong. It's sort of in the vein of the classic X Men stories, like Days of Future Past where uh, we see the world has changed as, as the heroes have lost. I and think that's every X-Men story. Right. <laughs> I know the future is pretty bleak. And, you know, we see, I loved old man Magneto with the beard. and, and uh, Rick so, Remender returns to X-Force. Right. Havoc and uh, <laughs> Wasp are married with a daughter. And I just, I, I, I really do still love this series, and it does feel very much old Marvel. But for me, this story, this was Acuna's art. I just can't wait to see what he does with Ahab. <laughs> I, was, I saw, saw him in the background on that last page, and I said, yeah. There's a lot of, is that Doom 2099? Yep. A lot of 2099 folk in this that he seems to have pulled. Because it's Doom, it's Iron Man, and it's Spider-Man 2099. Right? Is that? That wasn't his costume. Oh, no, sorry. not No, no, sorry. That's, um. oh, God, is that the Earth-X Spider-Man? That looks like Earth-X Spider-Man. Yeah, that's oh, wow. it. It looks like Doom has pulled. It's kind of like X, Avengers Forever. Doom has gone around and pulled a bunch of characters from different timelines and Storylines for some sort of army to mass against uh, the uh, villain in this, who is, I always forget that person's name. But really good. The art's wonderful. So check that out. If, you know, you can jump onto this one. It's a, it's, it does its job with the now thing. So those are the books we're going to talk about this week. Go to ifanboy.com and you can comment in the comment section if you want to talk about other books. A lot of people showed up last week at the comment section. It's nice to see we, had, we discussed some other books that we didn't make it onto the show. So if you want to do that, can all be happening at ifanboy.com. I want to give you some homework, too. If you read Private Eye number six, Mel's mom, that mask in that opening scene, tell me what that's a reference to, because that's some ancient civilization culture. That's, that's definitely a, a reference to something, and I don't know if it's African or Pacific Islands or what, but it's, it's driving me nuts in, as an art history minor, so please help me. Do you guys feel like I should feel like an old man the more I relate to the characters in the Private Eye who hate the Internet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're right. You know, we shouldn't have this stuff. It is ruining everything. There honestly are moments where I'm reading this where I was like, oh, that sounds like Connor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let's do a voicemail. Hey, guys, it's Marco from Toronto, and I'd like to ask you about your comic book reading habits. What reading habits have you held on to from childhood? 
and how has reading digitally changed your habits? For me, my main habits have always been either reading in the bath or only reading by natural light. So my iPad has changed this. I can now sit in the dark late at night, nice and dry and slide through issues, or so I'm saving money on water. So what are your reading habits, new and old, and which ones do you see lasting till the bitter end? This is actually something I think about sometimes because I used to have a very regimented way to read comics. No. It was like the, was like the last, shut up. It was like the <laughs> last vestige of my sort of, you know, fanboyism things was how I read them when last I was reading all the papers. It was, you know, I read, I read, you know, the Indies first and I read the Marvel books first. I read the DC books and I kept in within those. I had a certain order from least excited to most excited. Like I had a, I had a thing, I had a process, uh-huh. but that was when I read paper. Now with digital, all bets are off. It, mm-hmm. it, the only difference, the, actually the only thing that's the same is I read Marvel and DC together simply because I go into the different apps to, to get the different books. So that still stays the same just by virtue of the technology, but. I read all randomly. Sometimes it's whichever ones load first I read or whichever one's at the top because it's alphabetical. So it's not quite as regimented as it used to be for me now that I've gone digital. And Jim, do you, how do you read books these days? I read almost I mean, entirely digital now because I actually do not have a good comic shop that's nearby. Now that I, you've moved. I, now that I've moved, yeah. It's funny. When I was reading, when I would get print copies, I found myself rereading a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that I'm gone over to digital, I don't as much. And I don't know if it's because maybe sometimes I'll just flip back a few pages and reread a scene. But like, I remember when I used to have print books, I would reread them. I think it's an out of sight, out of mind thing. I, it must be because now I, you know, with digital, I have the leisure of literally either having my phone or my iPad with me wherever I am. If I'm on the couch or if I'm out on my patio or, you know, I can read my comics on the toilet if I wanted to. I don't, but I could. <laughs> well, that, that sort of uh, raises the question, like, do you, now that, you know, we're reading more and more digital and, I, and I'm the same way, unless, you know, yeah, I mean, I mostly read digital. So do you like to read sitting on the couch very formally? I'm going to read a comic book or is it just I'm going to read on my phone you know, on the subway or whatever. Like, do you, do you mind that or? I I don't, I don't read on the phone because I don't like the smart paneling and it's just too small. I, sometimes I will go, like, if it's nice out, I will go sit out and read and like, just, I know I have a few books that I haven't read in a while or I need to catch up on and I'll just go through it. Other times like, yeah, right on, out on the gazebo or sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter where, but I'm usually reading it in chunks, but sometimes it's, it's on the go. I mean, I'm one of those people who sometimes I even read it. I'll read comics on the computer I'm using the, the web thing. And I think that's more of a habit because I used to do that all the time at work. And so I've gotten used to reading comics that way. I find that one thing digital has helped me with is reading more issues in a series consecutively. What I mean by that is, especially with these digital DC books, which I fall behind on, it's very easy in the apps when you get to the end it just says read next issue and there's a button and so you do Mm -hmm. i just press it and get to the next one so i find i can go consecutively you know when you've got issues you can put them down you you know but it's sort of like never it's a never-ending story flipping past your screen when you can just press a button and get to the next one so i find i do i do sort of binge those more readily digitally like i I looked at my the number of comics that i have digitally and it was i was stunned (laughs) it was just like oh my like if i actually had those right I would be divorced. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, how are you? Are you reading in the bath with a monocle? You know, the, well, I'm just going to say the one downside is I used to love reading in the shower. 
<laughs> and digital has completely changed that. Not in the bath because that's just weird. It's it's, it's so old fashioned. I liked reading in the shower. It's so old fashioned. Press, press Paulus, it. He will laminate every single issue that comes in, and it's really time consuming and cost ineffective. <laughs> so he would laminate those so he could read them in the shower. Now I'm waiting for you know the the iPad. Well, he laminated yeah. the first iPad, and that was the problem. That was the problem. That's why you don't have a tablet anymore. <laughs> that's um, why we can't have good things. I, I, I read I. I read mine the same places I read the the single, you know, the paper ones. I read them on the couch. I read them on out in the balcony. I read them in the bed. I mean, there's really no difference. I guess the only difference is, it's, you know, if there's glare, it's harder to read. But, you know, it is easier to sneak them at work. I'll tell you that much. Because <laughs> you could be looking at anything on that iPad as opposed to if you had holding a comic in your hand. Yeah, I, I don't. What was that Chrome extension you were talking about earlier? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. What else are you looking at, Connor? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the only thing that really has changed is is the way I actually read the books of the week because I do sort of just scroll down from top to bottom, just read them in that order. I don't really have a special order anymore. Do you listen I, to I do music? Have favorites? No. Like I, I do have favorites, and I will probably read those books first. Sure. Which. I should theoretically save them until the end because then what I find is the books that I'm not interested in, I scroll through really fast. Which is why I always read in the reverse order. I always did that that way for that very reason. I do sometimes group them. If I'm, you know, like I think last week I, or the week before I read all the X-Men books together or whatever it was. And I don't have any hard and fast rules anymore. So digital has finally broken me of all of my quirks, Paul. No more quirks. When, When I have the pick, I'll read the things I'm excited about most first. And then... I'll get into, and especially when I have the pick, I'll go into sort of that trickle-down mode where I, I'm I'm looking for things that I might not normally read and because I get a chance to highlight them on the show. So, like, what's what's something I might not normally read, but let's give it a chance this time around. And I and so I look for those those sort of diamonds in the rough. And Well, you know what digital does that you couldn't really do the paper, and this is somewhat relevant to picking the pick, is it's very easy to experiment more. Yes. Because I could just go back into the store and, and get, download something else. Or oftentimes, you know, on the show even, you guys will talk about a book I hadn't picked up. Sounds interesting. So even while you're talking, I'll just go in and des- download it, which, you know, obviously you couldn't do with the store. So it, is, it doesn't make – like if you've got the pick and nothing's really standing out to you, you can say, well, maybe I'll try that new Ghost Rider book and download it right there and give it a read. So there is that accessibility factor. It's for Jim and not having a store. It's for people who want to give something a try and it's right there on their tablet. It's – it does change that a bit. I never read in the bath in the first place. So I, I will say that I, I like to listen to the Comcast digital classical music channel, the light classical, <laughs> while I'm reading. Uh, no one is surprised by this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to listen to music while I read. I get distracted. I can't. Well, I mean, it, it, can, it can only be instrumental music. I can't have something with words in it that would just completely okay. throw me off and I'd be looking around the room. And, um, well, thank you, Marco from Toronto. I hope you're still bathing. Yeah. <laughs> you said you were saving money on water, so I assume... You're still doing that, right? If you want to be like Marco and you want to get on the show, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Tell us who you are and where you're from, just like Marco did. Great job. And he kept it exactly in 30 seconds. Well, it was 29. Was very Close good. enough. He followed all the rules. Followed all the that, rules. Marco, you had a plan. You are favorite person this week. You're uh, a favorite so. person, but just please, at least, you know, moist towelettes or something. Right. Pat yourself down. Go to one of those barbecue places. Hoard all the to- towelettes, take them home. <laughs> so thanks for calling in. Let's plug some shows, Paul. We did a show this week. A special we did do show. a show. We did a show on a on a very special movie called Marvel's Avengers Confidential Black Widow and Punisher: The End. Men and X Men. 
people who listen to the, sh- uh, the shows a lot know we have the Animated Brain Trust where me and Paul and Ryan uh, hop and sometimes Chris Neesman get together to discuss the DC animated films. For years, people have said, why don't you do Marvel? So we finally did one. So there you go. Enjoy it because it's probably not going to happen again. Listen to the podcast <laughs> before you go out and buy or rent or anything. That's Just on there. It's, it's actually interesting discussion of what can go wrong in these films. And we went into it. I was excited about this. We went in open-minded and everything. Yes. No, I was uh, looking forward to it. Yes. Yeah, so, not yeah. knowing anything about it. So there you go. And now, Jim, tell the people about your awesome podcast. I host uh, Let's Talk Comics. It is a interview show that sometimes is long. Uh, they're usually long. It's essentially me and your favorite comic creators taking a walk down memory lane. It's how they got into comics, why they got into comics, and what the hell they're still doing in comics. It's been a lot of fun. I, you know, I've gotten to talk to guys like Brian Michael Bendis, Dan Slott, Rick Remender, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick. And coming up, I've got Joe Keating, uh, Chris Somney. I got Steve Wacker on the horn. So you're basically um, going through your Marvel Rolodex. I'm going through my Marvel Rolodex. He's looking I, at all the people that I'm talking to for CBR Sunday Conversation every Sunday exactly. at noonish Eastern. <laughs> we just noticed it was this weird thing. He started the podcast uh, around the same time I was doing Sunday Conversation, and it was like every every week it sort of synced up. It was weird. It was, it was the thing. It's like I would get I would get to them after you would, where they'd be like, "Oh, that's so funny." I I mentioned this in a conversation I had with Paul, and I was like, "God." Damn it! Don't mention <laughs> birds to Chris Somney. That's that's oh, a warning. I, I did, and that was uh, <laughs> it. Got things got awkward and dramatic. If you had to pick one for people who haven't heard the show to give it a listen to, what would the one? What's be? the point now? The Dan Slot one was fantastic. Uh, I, we I really had a lot of fun with that one. But I say it's between that one and the Rick Remender one. They were they were really good. So but it's 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 funny. I've gotten a lot of. People saying that I've gotten a lot out of essentially everyone else I've done because I've done like Sam Humphreys, Christian Ward, you know, but you can find it at www.letstalkcomics.com. Let's talk comics on Twitter, Facebook, etc. Check it out. Yeah, highest, highest recommendation from us. So definitely check it out. Head over to ifanboy.com. You can comment on this show. As we said earlier, talk about the books week we didn't get to talk about. Answer Paul's bizarre question he, that he raised earlier. It was bothering me. I, understand. I did a, a Google search before. I was like, what is that mask? <laughs> Google's like, what mask? So you can also you can find all the other podcasts. You can find the Marvel's Avengers Confidential Black Widow and Punisher podcast, which I just like saying over and over. All the shows. And Paul will have a upcoming talk explode about Akira, soon wrapping up his series on Akira. Yep. You'll be able to find all that over at ifanboy.com. You can follow the action on twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy to find out what the pick of the week is before the show. And you can follow us individually on Twitter at Jim Viscardi, at CS Kilpatrick, and at Fuzzy Typewriter. And finally, if you dig this sort of thing, write us a review. Write a review for, for Jim's podcast as well. Uh, helps people find those shows. Better yet, tell all the people you know about us. Tell Grandma about the podcast. Yeah, we're so waiting. We want a Grandma email. Make voice, her voice make mail. her like like Gramps in uh, the Private Eye. That's awesome. He's a really great character. Got tattoo- he's he is a really great character. It's, it's a it's you know it's a great social comment, but it's a, uh, in terms of just a character, he's a great character on his own. Yeah. So we want a Grandma voicemail. Not email. No it fakes. Could be, any, could be any of you. Yeah, no fakes. No no, we've gotten voices. a few of those people pretending to be a grandma. Real one. Really? And also, go over to... You're on iTunes, right? Your show, Jim? That is. Go over to Let's Talk Comics on iTunes and give it some reviews. Give it some review love. That's how people find the show. So, everyone, you know, let's, let's all spread the podcast love all around. All around. All around. 
Thank you, Jim, for coming on. As we said, thank you. Thanks, you may man. or may not be our new permanent co-host, considering uh, <laughs> you were the one sitting when the chair was open, and Josh decided to walk away like Spider-Man. And, and I know how much he hates that reference. That's why I used it. Don't go um, having a baby, Jim. Don't ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> Paul and I will be back next week. Well, Josh, I don't know. Uh, good question. Your guess is as good as ours. But until then, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. And I'm Jim. guys me again so realizing my last message might sound like i'm no longer bathing since getting an ipad and i've probably set myself up for some podcast ridicule i wanted to call back and say yes i still bathe daily in case you were worried about me i just don't have comment book bobs as much um so that's it have a good show